Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove, and today I'd like to talk about the quest for wholeness. You know, in the various systems of psychotherapy, the objective is often expressed in different ways. For example, uh, Abraham Maslow, in his psychological work, talked about self-actualization, that is, fulfilling your own deepest potentials. One might say, becoming the best version of yourself. In Jungian theory, the term is called individuation, meaning, in, in effect, becoming fully an individual, a whole person. And the term wholeness is often used. I think one of the best ways of thinking about it is in terms of uh, the notion that we have a multiplicity of selves within us, a plurality of different modes of consciousness, ways of being, and even personalities. And what you can think of your psyche, it's like a team, maybe even like a, a community, a, a city, perhaps a vast universe of possibilities. But what you want is the members of that team all working in the same direction, all working to help you become the best version of yourself. You don't want parts of yourself working against you, which can happen if you're burdened with guilt or have a desire at a subconscious level for self-punishment, because perhaps uh, when you were a child, people uh, made you feel like that's all you deserved for one reason or another. That is, they are projecting their own low self-esteem onto you. And if you accepted it as a child, you may still have little, you could call them tapes or programs within yourself working against you. I mention it because um, with regard to parapsychology, the great psychiatrist, I think of him as a great psychiatrist from Denver, Jewel Eisenbud, the man who did all of the important work in photography with Ted Sirios, which is valid uh, and important in terms of exemplifying the principle of mind over matter, macro psychokinesis. But Eisenbud wrote another important book, Parapsychology and the unconscious. And as a psychotherapist, he noticed amongst his patients, many of whom in Freudian terms he would have thought of as neurotic, um, people who had not achieved wholeness, people who had components within their psyche that were self-sabotaging. And he found that uh, sometimes these people also had psychic abilities, but they used their own psychic abilities to their own detriment. Eisenbud, for example, gives a, a case of a, a woman who was having an affair, and she went to a uh, movie with uh, her lover and uh, was sitting in the dark movie theater when uh, it turned out she was sitting right in front of somebody she already knew. So uh, he suggests that uh, by virtue of a psi-mediated instrumental response, certainly not consciously, but she used her psychic abilities to get herself into trouble, though you might say she was already in trouble for having this affair. In any case, you may find examples in your own life where um, it may seem like a streak of bad luck or it may seem like a, a series of coincidences uh, working against you, but it might actually be your own psychic abilities. In my own case, 
as a psychotherapist, I've run into people who have had, uh, for example, uh, received messages from a Ouija board at 4 a.m. on a particular night, show up at a certain street corner. Well, they didn't, fortunately, because it turned out a murder took place at that time and at that location. So that would be an example of your psyche coming up with extrasensory information that uh, is detrimental to you. And so being a whole person, having all parts of you working at the uh, in the same direction is a goal, a goal of psychotherapy and a goal of spiritual work. And I wanted to share with you a little bit from my own life. I can tell you that, say at around the age of 19 or 20, uh, there's a photo of me. You can see I had a lot more hair back then, but I was really a very confused person. As, as I mentioned in an earlier in present segment on being Jewish. I, the time I entered college, I had pretty much given up all of my religiosity that I had learned living in my parents' home, and I was sort of on my own, but I hadn't developed a new ethos for myself. And um, at one point, I created a work of art. I call it Spaghetti Man, but it really is an image of myself. And I uh, recommend that uh, you consider using art as a way of drawing a picture of your deeper self, how whole you are, how fragmented you might be. Now, in this image, you can see I'm, I think, very open to the outside world. There's kind of a blending of inner and outer, but at the same time, enormous confusion, no sense of stability. So that's me in 1966 as a 19, 20-year-old college sophomore. Now, 10 years later, I created my first Rainbow Yin Yang, and I can tell you that that 10-year period was one of intense work on myself. I did yoga, I did meditation, I studied many forms of psychotherapy, I wrote my first book, The Roots of Consciousness, and uh, I was involved in every aspect of the human potential movement that I could possibly think of. I got Rolfed, for example. And then the rainbow yin-yang came to me. I was taking a walk in the neighborhood of San Francisco, and it dawned on me that one could take the yin-yang, and instead of having two colors for the yin and the yang, but to have it like half a rainbow on one side, half a rainbow on the other side, where the colors along the S-curve were always complementary to each other. And I created it first in colored pencil, and then I did a version in the frosting of my wedding cake in 1978. And then I created a version using airbrush. And then another 20, 30 years later, uh, my dear friend Dean Brown, of whom I am going to have to share more with you, I was on the phone with him one day telling him I'm starting to compose music. And he said to me in a very prophetic way, because he was a deep and prophetic person, he said, I see that you are going to be creating artwork, not music. And I thought to myself, well, he's wrong, I'm making music. but." Shortly thereafter, I went into a period of creating 
artwork, the rainbow yin-yang using computer graphics, which uh, really was the ideal medium. So I kept perfecting this image of wholeness over the years. And in a way, I think it represents the deepest part of me. I've just been working with the rainbow yin-yang. It's one of the symbols of the New Thinking Aloud program. And of course, if any of you are interested, you can go to our foundation website and get one of the rainbow yin-yang pins that I often wear when I'm on the program. They're only $12.98 plus shipping and handling. But the point is this, that using artwork, you can project onto paper what you see when you look inside of yourself. And I think, looking back now, that period from 1966 to 1976 was one in my life when, where I went from being the spaghetti man, a very confused fellow, to uh, finding the beginnings of wholeness in my life that I've been working with and refining ever since. Uh, the most recent versions uh, are quite elaborate and I've had many variations and, of course, a even an animated version of the Rainbow Yin Yang. So that is a graphic way in which I've expressed the wholeness that I've come to find in my life. Now, I'm encouraging you to work with paper and pencil and watercolors or uh, pastels or crayons to see what your inner self looks like. Get a feeling. There's nothing wrong with being fragmented and confused. It's a, a good thing, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, to do that than, rather than to hang on to so many false certainties. But wherever you are, in your life, it's good to see it for yourself. And to work with a mandala image is also very healthy and useful. Carl Jung has suggested that the mandala is a symbol of the self, as, of course, the rainbow yin-yang is a, is a kind of mandala. So let me close by leaving you with this thought. How close to wholeness are you in your life? Where do you think you could achieve a greater sense of integration, a greater sense of wholeness, a greater sense of all of the parts within you working together to help you become the best version of yourself? Thank you for being with me.